All right, so we have uh, we've spent a few weeks talking about our, who we are, our identity, right, in mission, exists to make it hard for people to go to hell. We say yes, we say more, and we, na- we say now. Amen, church? Right, we talked a little bit about our behavioral responsibilities in that regard as to the choices that we need to make in regard to mission and what that looks like so you get a feel for what those expectations are. Tonight I just wanna wrap it up to talk about our personal values, the things that we need to do personally in regard to being viable for the mission. So let let me show you a picture and how many of you recognize this book, right? Are You My Mother, right? One of the most popular children's books. We read that, right? And the story's pretty simple, right? The mother has the egg in the nest and she leaves to to go get some food and thinks it'll be fine and the egg hatches and the little bird spends the rest of the book trying to figure out, are you my mother, right? Ends with the great great, uh, mechanical beast that he asks if that's his mother and the machine snorts and the bird says, you're not my mother, you're a snort, right? And then that bird ends up back in the nest and mom shows up and he tells his story, right? But he spends the entire book searching with this question, are you my mother, right? And I thought about that today when I thought about this and I thought how many of us are, how many people in church are like this? We're not looking for our mother but we're looking for our purpose, right? Are you my purpose, right? Are you the meaning that I have in life, right? And here's the thing, whether you're 60, whether you're 40, whether you're 20, there are people all over, all over, looking for their purpose, looking for the right job, looking for the right relationship, looking for the, you fill it in, because they're trying to find their meaning and their purpose. It's all over social media, people trying to find who they are and what their purpose is, and it's not, age-specific anymore. I mean, children who are in their early teens are trying to figure this out and struggling with a lack of identity because they just don't know who they are. And adults, upwards into their 50s and 60s that I talk to on a regular basis, no idea what their purpose and their meaning is. And so I wanna talk just a little bit about that. Now listen, I'm gonna throw out a lot of scriptures. I'm gonna throw them out as, as breadcrumbs for you to follow tonight. My hope is that you'll follow them later on. All those notes are available on the YouVersion app and you can find them there. Just look for um, services or events and you can find those listed there to, to go along. So we're just gonna go through some scriptures here. A lot of these are in Corinthians because it is a perfect way to segue into this. We'll get into detail into this as we walk through that series. But let's read some verses together, right? Second Corinthians chapter two says this. Now instead, you ought to, it's actually First Corinthians, that's my bad. First Corinthians chapter two. Uh, Dave, I'm gonna let you find that. Well, he grabs that. I wrote that wrong for him. But it's First Corinthians chapter two. And starting at verse seven, uh, Paul the apostle says this. Man, David, you're amazing, right? We speak God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined, everybody say this with me, for our glory before time began, right? The reality is this gospel that you now know, those of you online in here that know Jesus, say amen, right? That thing was once a mystery, meaning it was hidden, 
right? Meaning we weren't, God wasn't trying to trick us by keeping it from us, but he kept it hidden. He says that's now been revealed to us, right? That's now been revealed to us, he says, and it is for our glory in that process, right? So here's the goal. It used to be hidden. You can remember a time when you didn't know Jesus, yes or no, right? At that point in time, this thing was hidden from you. It's now been revealed to you, right? And in that revelation, he says, here's the reason for it. It's for your glory, right? It's for you now to take this and manifest it to other people. It's for your glory, for your purpose to do this. Does that make sense to everybody, right? Listen to what he says in this verse. This is in, in Corinthians as well. I think it's in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, Dave. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 9, Paul's going to continue this, right? He's going to continue this narrative so that you and I can see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, or 3, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, right? Not 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, that's a mistake on my part. I'm going to read these verses to you. 1 Corinthians 3, for we are God's fellow what? Workers, that is the Greek word for laborers, right? You are God's field, we are God's building. By the grace God has given me, Paul says this, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, someone else is now building on it. But, he says, each one should be careful how they build. So those of us who the secret has been revealed to, this thing that's been hidden has been revealed to us, he says we're now God's building. And he says each one of us should be careful how we build on this. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already laid. Everybody read this with me, which is, which is Jesus Christ. Everything that we do in church is built upon the knowledge that Jesus is our Lord and our Messiah. Because somebody say amen. He says, now that the foundation's laid, we have to build on that. And he says, we should be careful how we build on it. Why? Because he said, if any man builds on the foundation of Jesus using gold, silver, costly stones, or they build with wood, hay, or straw, their work, your work and mine, will be shown for what it is. Because the day, the day of the judgment seat, right, of Jesus here, He's gonna bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and he says, and fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what they have built on the foundation of Jesus survives the fire, he or she will receive their reward. But if it's burned up, the work that you've done since knowing Jesus, right, is burned up by the fire that Jesus unleashes on our work, he or she will suffer loss, but he or she themselves will be saved, but only as one who escapes through the flames. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, because what was once hidden is now being revealed, say amen. He says, now your responsibility is on that foundation of the knowledge that you have of Jesus, you are to build. And there are six choices in how to build. Gold, silver, precious stone, or wood, hay, or straw. And here's what happens. When our life comes to an end in Christ, right, we are, we are past the great white throne because of our name in the book of life, but then Jesus will judge the works that we've done on that foundation. 
And if the fire has revealed gold, silver, and precious stone, you are rewarded within the kingdom of heaven. If it does not reveal that, and all that you've done since knowing Jesus is just wood, hay, or straw, you still will be saved, but there's no reward. So he says, you and I should be careful how we build, how we live our lives after we know Jesus matters, matters to God for each of us. Is that clear? Everybody say yes, right? That's important. Right, this was a huge revelation to me years and years ago to realize that I'm not trying to work to be saved. I'm not trying to do that, but one day, all that I've done since I've known Jesus, which is now 43 years, all of that time and all of that stuff is going to be measured by fire, the fire that Jesus puts to those things. And the things that are worthy of being built on the foundation that I know Jesus, they will stand. And the things that don't, they're gonna be burnt up. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the things that I do to withstand that fire. Anybody else with me? I want my life to have purpose and meaning so that when that fire comes at the end, all that I've done will be worthy of being used on that foundation. And the reality is most people probably don't think of their life in Christ that way. But he says, we should be careful how we build. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter two, he goes on to say this. I see it right there, David, 2 Corinthians 4.14. He says this. He says, did I write four? Go back to chapter two. I must have been drinking something in my office <laughs> when I wrote this because clearly I am putting David through a hard time. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. I apologize, David. I'm up to buy him a nice coffee when this is over, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul writes these words, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and the aroma, right, the aroma, the same aroma, right, to those who are perishing. He says, to the one we're the smell of death and to the other we are the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? It is amazing to me. I mean, those of you in here, right, just take a look around at the room for a second. Everybody just sort of look left and right and get a glance of everybody in this room, right? And, and you don't have the view that I have, but you have a view, right? Those of you online, just stare at the person uncomfortably next to you, right? This floors me, that God has decided that the way he wants to spread the knowledge of his son to this world is through us. You and me, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I got to pick teams at recess. Anybody remember that horrific moment, All right? I was always a person that was lucky enough to pick because I was tall, right? But if I'm picking a team to try to win, do you think that we're picking all of us? No, listen, I'm picking Deidre, right? Like I'm picking people that I know got some, some visible skills out here, right? I'm picking David because he's amazing, right? But 
This was God's plan, that God wanted to spread this knowledge of his son to the world through us. We aren't just tasked to build on the foundation. This was by God's design that all of you in here and online, that that mystery has now been revealed to. His plan is now to use you to become this fragrance of life. Kevin and Sarah stand on this stage as people who work in an environment that we can't comprehend right? We can't comprehend what it's like to work on a regular basis. We were talking to Sarah and Kevin's in the office. Kevin's has literally been kidnapped before and talked about what's going on in the country that people are constantly under the fear of death. And Kevin's just sort of shakes his head like, been there, done that, right? He is a fragrance of life to those who've received Jesus through him. Somebody say amen, right? You know those people. Right, You've encountered people in your life with Christ where you've shared this, this life-giving knowledge and how they feel about you. He says, not only should you build, you should understand that this was by God, his design, that you and I would be the ones that would spread the knowledge of his son Jesus. I think that's unbelievably crazy if I'm picking teams. But somehow God looked at all of us and went, I think this is a good group to win the world. All of you, all of us, all of our baggage and all of our history, this is who God chose. Anybody else humbled by that choice that God would choose us? Listen, there's so many people come to church that don't even understand that that was by God's design to pick you, to use you for this purpose, to spread that aroma of this life-giving message of Jesus to the world. Now, David, I think I've got it right here, all right? 2 Corinthians 3, 7. Oh, look at that. He didn't have to go find it. Now listen to this, right? So everybody's clear. You love Jesus, say amen. amen. Right, that's our foundation. On that foundation, now that you know Jesus, our job is to build. Somebody say amen. And the work that we do on that foundation will be tested by fire. Amen? And the work that is meaningful to the cause will be spared and the work that's not will be burnt and our reward, not our entrance, our reward in heaven is based on that work. And it is by God's design that he picked us to be the ones to spread that knowledge to other people, right? Now let's talk about this thing we're supposed to give away. Paul says if the ministry that brought death, we're talking about the Old Testament law, right? How many of you online in here are able to keep every law of the land and every law of God? Anybody able to keep it all? No, none of us, right? So it brought death. If ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters, those 10 commandments, on stone, came with glory. So in Exodus 34, when Moses went back to the mountain after the golden calf, he got the tablets, right? When he came back down, his face was lit up by being in the presence of God's glory. Right? And so people would come and speak to him, right? And when he wasn't speaking to them, he'd cover his face so the glory wouldn't dissipate so fast. He says, if that ministry came with glory, if God's glory was on a ministry that only brought death, right, so that the Israelites could not steadily look at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though that glory was, he says this Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Because if the ministry that condemned men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? 
For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. He says, and if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that's going to last? Well, those are a lot of words, is it? Right? So this past weekend, uh, we had two big football games, right? And the two winners got to go to the, get to go to the Super Bowl. Anybody watch it? All right. Some of you love Jesus. All right. So the Chiefs played, right? The Chiefs played and they won because they have Taylor Swift, all right? <laughs> the second game was between the Lions and the 49ers. And if you don't know anything about the Lions history, it's this. They're a really bad team for a really long time. They're the only team in the history of NFL that went 0-16. They never won a game, all right? They haven't been in the game that they played in Sunday since 1950-something. You're talking about long-suffering, right? They are now one game away and 60 minutes away from going to the Super Bowl. It was a fantastic game in which Lions fans had their spirits crushed when the 49ers won, and the 49ers won the Super Bowl. Now, based upon these two things, based upon the Lions' history, was their season glorious, Cody? Yeah, baby. Based upon that history, winning their division and getting an NFC Championship game, was their history, was that moment glorious? 100%. But in light of losing the game and not going to the Super Bowl, was it glorious? No, it wasn't. Paul says this, the Old Testament laws that we couldn't keep was glorious. Receiving it. From God gave Moses glory and the Israelites couldn't even stare at how glorious it was and they had to cover his face. He says if that had glory and all it brought was death, how much glory do you think the gospel will have if it's gonna bring eternal life? Does that make sense to you? Listen, the lions had all kinds of glory for getting as far as they did. But in comparison to the glory of the Super Bowl, it pales in comparison. There's no moral victory there. One was glorious. It got them there. Not getting it, they realized how empty that glory was. Listen, we have the kind of message that God says the old one was glorious. Do you have any idea how this new one, how much more glorious this new one is? It's it's so far beyond its comprehension. And listen, if you're in here and you love Jesus online, love Jesus, do you think that what God has done for you through Jesus Christ by forgiving you for all of your sin and giving you the promise of eternal life and guaranteeing that through the placement of his Holy Spirit in you, is there anybody that thinks that is an unbelievable, glorious ministry? Say amen, right? That's glorious, right? That is glorious beyond comprehension. So he says this in chapter three, verse 13. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. He didn't want them to see the fading glory. We're not like that. We have a new ministry that is far more glorious. He says, but their minds were made dull for to this day the same veil remains when that old covenant is being read. Listen to this, everybody online in here, read this with me. It has not been removed because only in is it taken away? 
So there's a veil. There's a veil that allows you and me to either comprehend that glorious message or not comprehend it. The Old Testament, right, we know from Romans that there is a veil remaining partially over the Jews because there's still a partial hardness of theirs. So there's still a veil for them. He says only, bring that verse back up, right? He says only in Christ is it taken away. We talked about this, that we talked about that fact this weekend. The message of Jesus, is it foolish to you or is it absolutely miraculous? Let me hear you say miraculous, right? That's because the veil is gone. All of us who've talked to people who don't know Jesus don't think it's miraculous. They still think it's foolish because only Jesus can take away the veil. Not you, not Tomoka, right, not a preacher, only Jesus can remove the veil from people who do not see how glorious this ministry is, all right? Everybody tracking with that? Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter four. Skip the rest of that and bring up 2 Corinthians four. We read that this weekend. Even if our gospel is veiled, there are people today that you talk to that don't accept it, yes or no, right? So it's still veiled to people. Billions of people don't know Jesus. He says, it's only veiled to those who are perishing, who don't know Jesus. And we read this. But the God of this age, little g, so we're talking about, right, the creator God. We're talking about the God of this age. Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Why? So they cannot see, everybody say this word with me, the what? The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So, think about the world we live in. There are people like you who know Jesus and the Bible says the veil has been removed and now you, you and I have received the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Anybody grateful for that? Say amen. That doesn't exist in non-believers because it's been veiled. That Greek word means to be concealed, to be covered, right? He says, it's covered for them. They don't see it, right? And why don't they see it? Because the God of this age has what? Blinded them. So let's be clear about where unbelievers stand in relationship to you and me as believers. They are in a spiritual bondage created and allowed to happen by God, but created by Satan. That's where they stand. Is that clear to everybody? They're not there because they're Democrats. They're not there because they're black or they're white. They're not there because they're Haitian, right? They're not there, it's not there because they're poor, right? It's not there because they're this. It's there because God has allowed that veil to be there and given Satan permission to allow it to happen. These people are in spiritual bondage. And guess what can relieve them from that spiritual bondage? We just read it. Who can take away the veil? Come on, say it again. Only Jesus, only Jesus can remove the veil. A church can't remove a veil, right? A mission can't remove the veil, right? None of those things can remove it. A political party affiliation cannot remove the veil, right? Money can't remove the veil. Talent doesn't remove the veil. The only thing that removes the veil is who? Say it with me, Jesus Christ, he's it. You have the veil removed. These people don't. They're in spiritual bondage. I was privileged to spend a week in Haiti. 
I walked away after spending time in Guatemala and time in Africa, and I could not believe the spiritual bondage that exists on that island. So much darkness abounds. For some reason, God has allowed a veil to be covered over those people in that, in that country like I couldn't even believe. It was so much darker in Haiti than in Guatemala and in Africa, they weren't even comparable. And yet in the middle of that, down on this little, this little end of Haiti is this little jutted out piece of land where Jeremy sits. And two people decided they wanted to reach that community for Christ. They took the light of the knowledge of the gospel, the light of this glorious thing, and they went to work in that community. Why? Because they understood, one, they needed to build well on their knowledge of Jesus. Two, the only way the veil was ever going to be removed from those people in Haiti was to know Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Now, that hasn't been an easy process. It hasn't been an easy process because there is a spiritual bondage there. And what Sarah and Kevins have gone through is exactly what I wanna to talk to you and I tonight about when it comes to, are you my purpose? Because the reality is, if you know Jesus, just by sheer knowing Jesus, you know your purpose. It is to build on that foundation with things that are gold, silver, and precious stone. You know that. You don't have to wonder about it. The job is irrelevant because wherever the job puts you, the home is irrelevant because wherever you live, you have purpose because there are people that God puts in front of you that are blinded and veiled to the gospel. So how do you get it to them? You've got to show them the light of the glory of the gospel. Does that make sense? Blind people aren't blind when they can what? When they can see. People who walk in darkness can see when light is brought into that space. Yes or no? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Everybody say with me, I am the light of the world. One, two, three. I am the light of the world. If there are people who are living in darkness, concealed blindness by Satan, guess what removes the darkness? The light. And you and I, you and me, all of us, just look around. We are light bearers, right? We are the ones that God went, I'm gonna use these people. I'm gonna place my light in them and then I'm gonna place them in places in front of people so they can go to work with gold, silver, and precious stone. Because when God sees you, he sees a person who he can use to spread that light to people who are blind. Does that make sense to everybody? Now, I want to read this verse to you, right? I want you to, I want you to skip down to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, Dave. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 8. This is where I want you to see because this is a part that you and I can relate to, right? So, how many light bearers do I have in the room and online? Let me hear you say amen, right? That is the light. That is the light of the glory of the gospel we have in Jesus Christ. Amen, church? We're walking and living in a world where there is tons of darkness. Does anybody see the darkness expanding in our nation? Yes or no, right? 
What the darkness needs is one word. It starts with an L. That word is what? It needs light. And who is to give the light if it's not us? Our purpose is to be a light bearer. Now, let me ask you light bearers this question. Paul says, we're hard pressed on every side. Anybody who's a light bearer feel hard pressed? Yeah, hard pressed, he says, but not crushed. You know, I'm amazed. I mean, I read, I read, and I'm gonna use Sarah and Kevin's because they're just here, right? I see them in the back and they're shaking their head, right? right. But I read their newsletter. It just brings me to tears to comprehend what they're going through. Hard pressed on every side, beyond measure. But I talk to them in person and they laugh and they smile. I don't know how because they're not crushed. Are they perplexed? Yeah. A bag of rice was 25 bucks three weeks ago and now it's 45 bucks. Gas is $20 an hour. Are they perplexed? Yes. But they're not in despair, right? He says, persecuted? Yeah, very much so. Kevin's was kidnapped, right? But not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. I, w- I want you to hear this, right? Listen, if you know Jesus, say amen. The Bible says the light of the knowledge of the glory of the gospel is now in you. There are people who that is veiled to, who it's concealed to. They're in spiritual bondage. And people who walk in darkness need a great light. Amen, church? So God says to you, here's your purpose. Bear my light. Bear my light. And you wanna know how God gets that done? He takes this thing, right? 2 Corinthians 4 says, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, we have that treasure, that knowledge of the light of the glory of gospel in earthen vessels. That literally means a clay pot, right? Not a fancy piece of, of, of China, right? We're just an earthen vessel. We're a terracotta pot, right? We're just a common everyday vessel. He says, we've taken the treasure and we've put it in an earthen vessel, right? It doesn't make sense to take a treasure and put it in a terracotta pot, but that's what God did, right? He put it in there. Now, he says, I need you as a light bearer to let that light shine out of your life so other people walking in darkness can be freed from this bondage. Make sense, church, yes or no? Seems pretty simple, right? The question is, how does God get the light out of you? How does he squeeze the light of the glory of the gospel out of you? Well, he tells us, he perplexes us, he presses down on us, he allows persecution in us, right? He allows this squeezing and this pushing, right? And this pulling to create these gaps in our life to where light can, can, can get out, right? Can sneak out. How many of you like to sleep in complete darkness, have dark out curtains in your room, okay? Right? Because you hate light, right? And if there's a crack exposing a light and you're a person that loves to sleep in darkness, if you see a crack, can you sleep, yes or no? No, you can't. You've got to go seal it up, right? 
God works just the opposite. God's constantly trying to create these cracks in our life so that the gospel of the light of the glory of Jesus can be exposed. So what does he do? He allows your terracotta pot to be bent, to be put on the floor, to be kicked with a foot, to constantly be pressed on all sides. Why? Because God's hoping in each and every one of those seasons, these cracks appear and more and more and more and more and light shows, right? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that God is transforming us from one level of glory to another, meaning that the season you're in now and the glory that's being shown from your life is great, but we're gonna get a new season and here's what you're gonna go through. You're gonna go through being hard-pressed on every side. You might be persecuted, you might be perplexed. And every, listen, and I've done this long enough in my own life and, and in, in ministry to know that when people go through these seasons, they tend to get really, really frustrated and panic really a lot, right? Like, why is this happening to me? I want you to know why this is happening. Because your purpose is to be a light bearer. Somebody say amen. Right? Our purpose is to be a light bearer. And you know this as well as I do, that if God isn't constantly working to squeeze the light out of us, it's easy for that light to stay hidden because we can get caught up in our own stuff. We can get caught up in our own work. We can get caught up in our own issues. We can get caught up in our own desires. And guess what happens? The light never comes out. So God says, hang, hang, hang on a second here, right? He said it this way to Peter out of Jesus's mouth. He said, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Anybody ever felt sifted? That God's just run you through the strainer, right? Why does he do that? because he needs some more glory out of you. Your purpose isn't to find the right job. Your purpose isn't to find the right mate. Your purpose is to bear the light of the glory of gospel wherever you're at. And here's what God's gonna do. He's gonna take your terracotta pot and he is gonna beat it up. And he is gonna allow it to be beat up because every little crack in that pot is gonna expose more light. And his promise is, pot's never gonna be broken. It's never gonna be thrown away, right? You're never gonna be so hard pressed that you're gonna be crushed. You're never gonna be so perplexed that you're gonna be in despair, right? I'm always gonna make sure that that's the case. But don't think you're getting out of this without being pushed on and prodded on and squeezed on so more of that stuff can come out. Does anybody in, in ministry as a believer know that pressure, that, that process? Say amen. And that's what God does. It's my favorite part of my job is watching God do that in our staff. It's not always my favorite thing when God chooses to ignore my staff and do it to me, right? But he does it all the time. He constantly does those things. So Paul says this, right? He says this in, in 2 Corinthians 4.1, right? 2 Corinthians 4.1, and then he repeats it in verse 16, right? In 2 Corinthians 4.1, he says this, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry. Listen, God's given you this because God's mercy, right, is allowed us to know Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Everybody gets that we didn't earn it. Somebody say yes. We got this because of God's mercy. He says this, because God gave us this, read this with me, we do not lose heart. And in verse 16, he says this, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. For our light 
in momentary troubles that are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but we focus on what is unseen because what is seen is simply temporary. And what is unseen is what? Eternal. We get so focused on what's in front of us. The thing that's pressing us down, the thing that's perplexing us, and the thing that's persecuting us. And that becomes our focus. Our focus is all on what we see. Jesus says, or Paul says, through the inspiration of the Spirit, don't focus on that. Focus on the eternal. Focus on that, that unbelievable glory that's being reserved for you. Because every time you build with gold and silver and precious stone, you're building that glory that far outweighs all of this. I looked at Kevin's the day before we came up here and I said, Kevin's, you're ridiculous, right? Because he just lets it roll off his back. Because I'm convinced the more I talk to him and the more I hear what's happening in Haiti around Sarah and Kevin's, the more I realize this is their life. They understand that outwardly they're wasting away, but inwardly they're being renewed. And these light and momentary issues, they don't mean nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us through Jesus Christ coming. Somebody say amen, right? So based upon that, here are the four things that we tell our staff we want our church to emulate. Here are the four. You need to take a Sabbath. If you're going all the time, doing this work, but God's working on you to do, you're gonna need to take a Sabbath. You're gonna need to take a rest. Kevin's is in the United States to take a Sabbath, to be with his family, to be with his wife, to be with his son, to take a Sabbath. On the 15th of February, he's gonna go right back into the fire. Listen, you can't go all the time. You can't drive your car nonstop and get where you're going. Second one, we get fed. Listen, if you're not getting fed to do this work, you're gonna to starve to death and you're gonna end up checking out. The third one, we cast our cares on him. Listen, if you're gonna go through the process that God's putting you through to hard press you, persecute you, perplex you, you're, you're gonna get anxious. He says, you cast your cares on me because I care for you. And the last one is, we don't give up. That Greek word, lose heart, means don't let, it, don't let it make you negative. Don't let it let the negative stuff come out of you. Does that make sense to you, church? Listen, we got a lot of work to do. There's people in the world that are blinded by this God of this age, and only those who know the light have a chance to help free them, and that's you and me. You got a purpose, I got a purpose. We need to go to work and make that happen. Let's pray. Father, today, thank you so much for this church that grants us the possibility of putting that purpose to work. I pray for everybody who's going through the process right now of being hard-pressed and perplexed and persecuted. Lord, would you give them the courage and the strength to not lose heart? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.